Welcome to another episode of Conduct Detrimental. Two special guests this week, AJ Perez of Front Office Sports, as well as Amanda Kristovich, two of our favorites here at Conduct Detrimental. AJ, Amanda, pleasure to have you both on. Thanks for having us. Um, yes, this is the dream team. It is. It is the dream team. I've had both of you on separately, never together, but I spoke to our conduct team, the powers of B, and uh, no one else was doing any, well, sorry, no one else was free on a Friday night like yours truly. And I'm like, who else is similarly like-minded and that all they're thinking about is sports law and sports business at 620 on a Friday night? And I'm like, oh, AJ and Amanda, I'm like, can one or both of you join? And both of you said yes. Shocker. Um, biggest news today that I wanted to cover. Um, and then, AJ, I want your thoughts on it just as a smart guy in the room. I know we know Amanda is one of the top voices in all of uh, college sports. I don't want to even relegate you to sports business or sports law. Um, but obviously, the, the biggest news of the day is the Tennessee preliminary injunction um, now being awarded. So um, I was all day at, at uh, New York Law School judging, helping run the uh, the annual soccer negotiation law competition. And when I got the news, I'm like, this is the worst timing for this. I am not ready to analyze this. But guess who was ready to analyze it? Our friend who's on this podcast, Amanda Kristovich. Take it away, Amanda. I uh, had already started watching Netflix. Like, like I actually, Apple TV. I, I was done for the weekend and then this, or for, you know, for the week and then this happened. So um, I was in the same boat as you were. So we've got 13 pages um, of a preliminary injunction ruling where essentially uh, the judge calls BS on all of the NCAA's legal arguments about amateurism, um, which we can get into later, in addition to basically saying that the NCAA is causing irreparable harm to athletes by not specifically not allowing them to negotiate with boosters and NIL collectives like in advance of uh, deciding what school they're going to. That was like what they focused on. So as probably all your listeners know, the preliminary injunction means that the uh, NCA can no longer um, enforce any of those rules or restrictions until the case is settled or there's, you know, a trial. Um, and then the one thing that I wanted to point out also was, uh, and I think we've talked about this on a previous podcast, um, the judge also noticed that the NCA has that rule of restitution where um, if there's a court decision saying an NCA rule needs to be overturned and then a player, you know, follows what the court says and then that rule gets turned back later, the NCA is allowed to punish the player. If you followed me there, um, I gotcha. judge said, Nope, can't can't enforce that rule. No rule of restitution. Um, so NCA, why don't you just sit down on your hands and do nothing? Um, I like that breakdown. Um, AJ, I'm looking at you with your your puzzled face here. Before I have some thoughts, but I, I, I want to make sure we have it. We have three smart people here. You as I think of the three of us, maybe just the sports business person as opposed to college. What do you think about this in the grand scheme of things? Do you have do you have some I mean Thoughts on it? This is this is the NCAA did not get get ahead of this. You know, the, the Supreme Court decision a couple of years ago. They they they're playing catch up. They have been playing catch up ever since. All that lobbying money, which Amanda's been writing about, uh, you know, all the lobbyists there in DC, you know, they're trying to get some kind of national bill through this Congress, which isn't getting anything through Congress at this point is pretty much impossible. It, it just they're relying they 
they relied on politicians and now the courts are kicking their butts. And they, it's, this should have been seen. This should have been taken care of. This is before NIL was even, you know, in the vernacular. This could have been handled a lot better by the NCAA and how they didn't have the foresight to see this coming down. It's, it, it's, it's not, it's amazing, but not shocking, if that makes sense, because it's the NCAA. Some might call Charlie Baker the Loch Ness Monster here. We don't know when he's going to be involved. He might appear. He might disappear. He might be on video. He might not be. Um, I, Amanda, I appreciate you going off mute just so the audience could hear that you were laughing at that. I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, so I, I've, I know I've spoke to you about it, Amanda, and I think I don't think I've said it to the audience, but my, my understanding of what the NCA strategy was, and, and this is to your point, AJ, like, Okay, we got a lot of walls closing in on us. What do we do? Who are we going to hire to replace Mark Emmert? Okay, let's let's uh, I'm going to say like let's draft the politician. Let's bring Charlie Baker in because our our maybe no pun intended our get out of jail free card might be Congress if they get involved here. So you know I think they took a swing for the fences uh, in, in grabbing Charlie Baker, a politician who you think would be able to move those forces in in federal government, maybe better than a Mark Emmert, who is not a career politician. Um, and I don't think what they expected, and, and certainly I, I think anyone that told you they expected this would be just not being honest, but these cases have just multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Um, and, you know, I, I think this case in particular, someone challenging the NCAA's authority has been sitting there, but I don't, I don't think anybody could have predicted that the NCAA would be losing really in all of these cases simultaneously and meanwhile, like we're, we're, NC has basically done nothing the last two years. So, um, Amanda, I'll, just to respond to your comment, um, before we, we uh, you know, etch in pen that the NCA is dead, I, my understanding is that there'll be some sort of an appeal here. Um, I know you mm -hmm. and I were talking about it earlier. Is that your understanding as well, or you, you haven't heard anything? Well, what's interesting is that in the NCA statement, which is actually one of the more ridiculous statements that I've seen the NCA release, and that's really saying something, um, they didn't say explicitly that they were going to appeal the ruling. Usually um, they or the school that, you know, loses said ruling just explicitly comes out and says, yeah, of course we're going to appeal this because if we don't, then college sports as we know it is dead and parade of horribles, blah, blah, blah. Um, it appears that I, like, I'm sure they will, but what they did say in the statement was to both of your points that they are going to be running to Congress with this. They're going to call it a five alarm fire. They're going to, yes. And yeah. So Dan's got the air quotes up, right? Um, and they are just going to use this as the latest piece of evidence to say, you know, college sports are in disarray and, you know, Congress, we need you to stop paying attention to Ukraine. Stop paying attention to Israel. We want you to fix college sports instead. Yeah, this is like, you know, they should have saw Congress not being an option really with when we saw PASPA overturned. You know, they all the leagues were trying to get some, some, you know, somebody in Congress and they were working with Congress people or sorry, representatives, senators, they, they're trying to get some kind of nationwide, we want one policy and we want integrity fees and we need this. And really that, that none of that went anywhere. So we're getting, now we're in a similar situation. So we've probably spent a lot more time. I'm probably more money as well, lobbying for the, this, this new NIL legislation. 
Meanwhile, all this is happening and they should have saw that, you know, it's not just looking at our political environment, looking at what happened after PASPA and the leagues, the, the leagues trying to get some kind of nationwide policy for sports betting. Um, it, we, it's the same setup now. And it's really, there's, you know, the, now all the leagues are involved in sports betting to some degree, you know, uh, and there's really the NCAA is just still, Hey, help us out here. Mr. Congressman, help us, help us pass the legislation. And it just, it's just not, it's not a, this, it's not going to work. I mean, our Congress is so tied up and so, uh, you know, polarized. It's, there's really, there's not an appetite right out there right now to do anything. Um, I think all good points. I mean, We'll, we'll see. The only other kind of substantive question I have, Amanda, and then we can kind of move on to, to kind of the big issues of the day. Um, what what changed between, you know, originally there was a denial of the TRO, right? And, and there was a denial and we said, and the court had that interesting comment that, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't mean that the underlying merits we don't agree with the Tennessee Attorney General on, but we can't give you the TRO at this point. What has changed in the last like two weeks um, I think it's exactly where we are about two weeks ago that they said, okay, now we change our mind, preliminary injunction it is. So my layman's understanding is it was the question of irreparable harm that changed. Um, that was ultimately because the TRO basically said, you know, we believe, or I believe that this case is going to succeed on its merits, but ultimately there's a really high standard for a TRO to be granted for irreparable harm. And all I'm seeing is potential monetary damages for athletes mm -hmm. not being able to do these deals. And that's not enough. Um, in this opinion, he, you know, the judge went a little bit further and, and um, there's a quote that I have um, in my article that is like, essentially, he didn't quite say that it, could impact where you end up going to school and that could be irreparable harm. But, you know, he basically laid out that there is a major disruption of the marketplace that, that cannot be changed, cannot be shifted after uh, transfer portal rules close, for example, um, if you don't have the opportunity to negotiate for your own deals. So he basically said, yes, actually, there is irreparable harm. It goes beyond monetary damages and it satisfies you know, the, um, the definition of what I need for a preliminary injunction. Um, it's fantastic. It's great. I was getting ready to do an episode on Dartmouth basketball. I was getting ready to talk about, you know, what the NLRB is going to do. I had a lot of stuff to talk about EA sports, which we certainly can talk about. Um, but, uh, now this is obviously the everything that I had to pay attention to. And I was ready for a nice relaxing weekend. It's my mother-in-law's birthday. I'm driving to Weston, Connecticut, judging the soccer competition. And now my life is just chaos. It's fantastic. Um, AJ, as someone uh, that similarly has a lot of their nights and weekends ruined by breaking sports news and you're on top of it, um, tell tell everybody else what what is going on in the world of sports law that we should be paying attention to that is not this Tennessee hearing. Oh, the UFC uh, fighter pay lawsuits coming up. I think we have, uh, we're, that's one that could actually, of all the lawsuits this year, there's a lot, but I have so many, I have so many alerts set. Uh, <laughs> um, so there's, uh, there's, uh, you know, that, that one could change UFC. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to make them number two or anything. They're number one in MMA in, in the world. And there's no chance that this lawsuit's going to change it. But the, you know, there's going to be this is covers hundreds, if not thousands of fighters between these two lawsuits, one going forward in, in the next few weeks uh, there in uh, Las Vegas, the federal court. 
So it's that that's one. I think that's one that I'm I need to start paying attention a little a little more towards. And also we got I've been covering the DraftKings fanatics, the uh, the executive who left DraftKings. Oh, the fanatics. tell me, tell us about the executive. <laughs> I, I I think if you can spend a couple, I don't know, whatever your elevator pitches. I think that's an interesting case as, as Dan Wallach is not here to talk about sports betting, but I think this is just an interesting employment case, trade secrets case, whatever you want to say, covenants case. Go ahead. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's one that uh, this kind of broke out just what it was the week of Super Bowl. It was the Monday before the Super Bowl is earlier this month. Uh, this this executive um, left uh, left DraftKings kind of very last minute. Um, he uh before he officially left and took the job at Fanatics, he tried, or he did, according to him, establish residency in California. And when you have residency, if, you, if you're a California resident, you get to basically, you have a lot more freedom to 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 void or get out of um, uh, both um, non-competes and also, uh, you know, basically non-competes. I, that's that's the big one. There's, um, other, so, there's other stuff as well. There's yes. con- confessions of judgment are not... Uh, I had a case this past week. Confessions of judgment are not enforceable in California, but they are in New York. So just pay attention yeah, to your states when are... you're doing your choice of law on a contract. Exactly. And 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 the executive's argument is like, well, I was I was a resident of, of New Jersey. I, I worked out of the DraftKings offices in New York. And, but he's but the DraftKings sued him in federal court in Massachusetts, which has a different set of laws um, and uh, ones that were where non-compete and confidentiality clauses are are a little more and a lot more enforceable in California, especially and probably less. Uh, also, it's probably uh, if, if if it was if it was filed in New Jersey or New York, it was probably he this this executive probably a little more freedom to do what he's end up doing. So this there there was uh, they there was an injunction a TRO that 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 was granted a couple of days after after uh, uh, DraftKings sued this fanatic executive. And from there, uh, and uh, with it basically said, you can't take information with you, you can't share information with with fanatics, but you can work for them. You know, DraftKings was looking to send him home. You know, they, he was at the Super Bowl. DraftKings was looking to, you know, stop him from working at fanatics. That, that the federal judge did not allow that. But there's really three courts. There's the there's also the LA County um, where 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 this uh, executive kind of filed his filed his. Uh, it, papers uh kind of established residencies and, and tried to get a, a tro there uh and they're going towards that and even even the california a, a federal court in california w- was involved in the, even though the case k- keeps getting bounced back down so it's a it's a very it's this is one of those is going to go on for a while this this executive through the uh through the filings you know can, you can kind of read into it that he knew that DraftKings could actually be pretty upset by his leaving um, and the DraftKings alleges that he uh, he he was downloading huge files and everything else, and uh, you know he's saying no, he didn't. It sounds a lot like a case that we've spent some time on the podcast, the Knicks Raptors trade secrets lawsuit. Um, some similar elements, but I've been uh, AJ, you've been on top of it, um, and now AJ and Amanda, I saw a, I was a little bit disappointed in both of you, and I I, I don't think you know what I'm going to say. It's not that serious, but it's a little bit serious. I see sports legal articles on front office sports. And 99% of the time, it's one of the two of you. There was an article about Fubo TV that came out that I would love to talk to you guys about. But some new guy is writing stuff. Alex Schiffer, who is this person? Why don't I know them? Why are they on your block? Why are they talking about sports law? 
Hey, don't 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 get mad at us. Don't get mad at us for actually hiring people during this uh, this whole downfall of journalism here. Um, Alex is great. He's a part of a. We, we have a few new hires, um, and he's one of them. And uh, yeah, it allows me to do the long term stuff, and uh, um, so uh, which is great. Uh, yeah, so there's that, and also I had appendicitis a few weeks ago, right when the lawsuit against uh, Vince McMahon dropped. I was like, my boss said I could not Likely work. I was like, story. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to work, and they're like, you can't work today. I work. I was back the next we were like, day. I AJ, was get off Slack. We were like, AJ, get off Slack. You literally uh, are about to open. Like, stop. dude, they 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 took my phone from me. I stuck my phone into the in, in into the operating like waiting area from where I was at. And like the security guard came and took my phone away. I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, I just want to read about Vince McMahon lawsuit. I want to get on Pacer. Uh, yeah. So I had to wait until after I woke up. And also just wanted to give a shout out to our other uh, new breaking news reporter, Margaret, who uh, texted me uh, while I was, um, you know, thought I was done for the week and was like, hey, are you going to hit the Tennessee thing? And I was like, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? You can imagine. Yeah, what you, I you can. You can. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're yeah. running short on time because I have two, I have my, my, if you hear that, there's daddy. <laughs> my two and a half year old has learned how to open doors. Uh, my, my parents are here, supposed to be watching the kids. I'm supposed to be uh, in the den alone for 20 minutes, but looks like I'm going to get 15 here. Um, so I did want to talk about Fanatics Pants. I think there might be a, uh, an emotional distress type lawsuit if a uh, someone's uh we're not going to curse here but if something got exposed on someone we're getting very close to these <laughs> pictures back in the day there was stories about aubrey huff and jason giambi wearing we'll say uh women's underwear underneath their uh, baseball pants um and now that would be exposed if that were to occur uh i i did we'll talk about another time but ea sports the uh six hundred dollars per player and then they're going to give ambassador contracts to uh players on top i actually I don't mind that. There's a lot of people saying $600 yeah, I think that, is not I, enough. I see that. I, I've seen the yeah. blowback. I'm like, do you know how many college athletes yeah. who play, play football who, who will be depicted on there? Really, it's really, when, you, when you look at the number of players, the cut is the same as the NFL. It, it's just I'm okay more with players. It. Yeah. I'm also okay with it. But if, if you give if you give no the ambassador contracts to the top guys. No, yeah. but okay, I, there's no royalties. I'm sorry. That's that's not industry standard. You could argue about whether you could argue about the exact value, but the industry standard is is royalties. The royalties could be two cents for all I care, but you can't. That's 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 not an opinion. It's a fact, it's, right? It, no, but it's but Amanda, it's like it's it's just one year though. I mean, people can but why a new game next year? So the royalties would diminish anyway. I mean, there people stop playing NCAA football 2025 when 2026 comes out so there's that too i, I don't i think i don't know if the royalty like that that is I, I like that but it's the, like you know people stop playing the games after after they're old the only the only point and and i don't i don't disagree with what you're saying amanda but and i have to see what the numbers are if these ambassador contracts for the elite level college athletes be quinn ewers or whoever's staying at college this next year if those numbers are huge I can live with it because we've always said we need to make exceptions for the Zion Williamsons of the world, those top, top players or the Caitlin Clarks of the world. We need to make those exceptions. If those ambassador contracts are like 2,500 bucks, like, okay, then I have an issue with it, but, but we'll see what the payouts are. But I think to AJ's point, like, I think if you're the, if you're the 12th man on an NBA bench and you're just in the game, I think you get like 50 K. I think it's right around there, give or take. Um, but like, that's the 12th man at the end of the bench. Like, you could tell me that the top college guys are more marketable than the guy that doesn't play in NBA. So if those ambassador contracts are significant, I could be okay with it. But I'm okay generally with the framework of 
everybody gets 600 and then there's more money on top for the special athletes. Or, or how's this? If, if uh, the users, whoever buys this game are, are playing more with those players, there should be a sliding scale instead of just kind of piggyback on Amanda's royal, uh, royalty kind of thing. There you go. That's one way it, it could work. Cause I know, I don't know. I know uh, SJSU might where I went and probably not going to be the, in the, in the top tier there. Um, we put three smart, smart sports people in a room. We come up with good ideas. We are not on this podcast going to talk about Isaiah Stewart's misdemeanor case drop, the three-game suspension, or the punt god, Matt Ariza, signing with the Chiefs. We'll do that in another episode. Oh, that was, yeah. That we always, was, yeah, oh. yeah. That, that was, yeah. Oh. I, it was, I think, yeah, I have, I have thoughts. I mean, I think he could have been in the league last year if he had a different, if he had a different agent. Um, oh, shots fired at the agent. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll leave that one there. Um, we'll keep this one tight. I have dinner plans at seven. This is a monster day. AJ, Amanda, it is Friday night. I sincerely appreciate you guys both hopping on. Um, tell everybody uh, what you're working on, where to find you, and then we'll call it a day. Amanda, you go first. Um, I got NLRB USC next week, uh, and I have a big Caitlin Clark feature coming coming out because sometimes I write about non-sports law things. I literally landed in New York at 10 a.m. from Bloomington, so that's how my day has been going. Um, and then the week after that, I've got Dartmouth NLRB, and then March Madness. Woohoo! So that's what I'm working on. Uh, I got Check a feature running on Sunday. AJ. Yeah. I got a feature running this weekend on uh, on uh, X impersonators, you know, X formerly Twitter. Uh, and uh, and the problems that they've caused and how uh, you know, the monetization program and the whole elimination of verification has uh, made this a bigger problem on X. I got to hang out with you guys more. This is this is you guys are smart people. We all like sports. Occasionally, we all can join together and join forces. Um, I will say I will say no more. Um, and uh, uh, I, I just want to give apologies to the Loch Ness monster, Charlie Baker, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> AJ, Amanda, sincerely appreciate it. Well, Enjoy you your Friday night. You can no, explain to the listeners another <laughs> I will not explain them in this episode because my children are about to break down the store and I don't know why my parents are not watching them. We'll call it a day before <laughs> something gets broken. Um, okay, both of you appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend and uh, we'll see everybody next time on another episode of Conduct Venture Festival.